What iconic horror character would you like to see Nick Cage play? The Invisible Man. Oh, but that. But don't you want to see him? That's what makes it so against type, Mark. <laughs> okay. He's really got a stretch. He's just his... going to be in an ADR booth, like screaming into a microphone. Yeah, you really get to hear that. Uh, well, as we learned from this movie, he's a great screamer. So maybe they could work that into it. Yeah, that's true. And we learned that from other movies before. Yeah, that is true. I mean, he screams in all of his movies pretty much. So, Have you uh, seen the original Invisible Man? Like from the 30s? Yeah. No. It's one of my favorite classic ones, okay. actually. I think we should check that out sometime. I saw the Invisible Man in Abbott and Costello meet the Wolfman. Mm-hmm. Invisible Man and Dracula make a guest appearance there. So I've experienced it through that film. So you've seen all his mashups, but not his solo movie. No, exactly. I'm missing out on the solo work, the deep cuts. Have you seen Hollow Man? I have seen Hollow Man. <laughs> That's technically the Invisible Man. It's a Invisible Man. Anyway. I'm going home. Bye. All right. See ya. What about you, Garrett? Wolfman. Das Wolfman. Yeah. I just think he'd be a good Wolfman. I mean, he can he can really bring the intensity, which I feel like if you're transformed into a wolf for the first time, it's got to be pretty intense. True. You know, when you first wolf out, as it were, you know, you're going to freak the fuck out. The man can freak the fuck out, as we saw in multiple movies, but especially in this movie we're about to talk about. Uh, the dude's got it. I mean, he's got everything that needs to happen there. I mean, Benicio Del Toro did an okay job, but Nick Cage would have brought that, like, insanity. I mean, if you turn it into a wolf, I mean, come on, you're going to lose your shit. Yeah, you're saying we're going with, like, current modern-day Cage, not, like, face-off Cage, or... Well, there's there's no difference. All Cage it's is... the same Cage. All Cage is Cage. <laughs> I mean, from day one, when you look at his early, early shit to nowadays, I mean, he was always crazy. Uh, so it just depends on what movie you got him in. One cage. It's a spectrum of cage. That's fair. It's one flavor of cage. I, just think, I think he'd be a good wolf, man. You know, like, plus he's got that, the, the facial intensity that he can, like the facial expressions and stuff. I mean, granted, it'd be like a mask with, you know, the wolf face and stuff. A lot of the prosthetics, but still, I think he would like be able to get some of that across in his eyes and body language. That's true. So wolf, man, that's my choice. I suppose that'll roll into mine because I said I Abbott want. Costello. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When he puts that fat suit on. Oh, my God. He's like another person. No, he gains it and loses it for every scene. Oh, God. That's how versatile of an actor Nick Cage is. <laughs> I'm concerned for his health. <laughs> that man's going to need a new heart. I want a nutty professor take on 1943's Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Ooh. So this could be the follow-up. Cage Wait, hold on. Gonna, hold on. Nutty professor style? What do you mean? That means Nick Cage is going to play almost all the parts in the oh, movie. Oh, okay, okay. Because I think his version of Frankenstein's monster versus his version of the Wolfman are going to be very different things. I think that would be fun to see him contrast. So you're saying every character? Every character. Well, maybe not every character, but most of them. But he I can also play... every character. Yeah. <laughs> he could play uh, Baroness Elsa von Frankenstein, which is the daughter of Dr. Frankenstein. He mm-hmm. could. Mm-hmm. Has he ever played a lady before? Look, if Tilda Swinton can play a dude in Suspiria, yeah. Nick Cage can play a lady in Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. If Nick Cage hasn't already played a lady, what the fuck are you doing, Hollywood? I know. Get on that. Get that movie made. But yeah. Um, <laughs> Nick Cage in Tootsie. <laughs> <laughs> I always love that, that the uh, the Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. Um, the story is like some grave robbers get into Lon Chaney's Wolfman. I forget the character's actual name. Uh, but they dig up his grave and he's like holding a jewel and they're going to steal it. And then the sun, the moonlight uh, shines on his body and reanimates the Wolfman. He comes back alive. And then he's like in Transylvania. Hmm. And then he That's pretty cool. Fights Frankenstein. At the is end. Frankenstein based in Transylvania? You know, I think it is because like the whole pitchforks and the flame and torches when they go to Frankenstein's castle. It's a like, Transylvania-esque I mean, location. I feel like a lot of places could have stormed a castle with pitchforks. I don't think that was isolated just to Transylvania at the time. 
Well, I know, like the fish man, obviously the black lagoon creature was in like Brazil or whatever, but yes, that was a South American locale. I want to say that yeah. Frankenstein and the Wolfman and on Dracula were all kind of in the same region. That's just like a real bad region then. Mm-hmm. Real bad luck. All that nasty shit came out of there. But yeah. Probably Vlad's fault. Nick Cage. He is a universal monster. He could be. He could uh, imagine a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, Nick Cage movie. That'd be good too. Yeah. I'd be on board for that. I would. I think he'd have some trouble playing Dr. Jekyll. Okay. Well, according to the internet, because I'm a fucking nerd. The majority of the story takes place... Well, I don't know if this is like... When and, when and where does Frankenstein take place? Okay. The majority of the story takes place in Europe. Victor Frankenstein is born in Italy in 1770, moved to Switzerland in 1777, and then travels to Germany in 1788, where he studies. It's also in Germany where Victor creates the monster in 19, or 1792. So Germany is okay. where Frankenstein, the, the movie, I guess, takes place where he makes the monster. Cool. The man got around beforehand, though. Yeah. Quite weird. the passport. Wait, do you have to have a passport to get to different countries in Europe? Not now. Probably in 1700s, you did. Oh, you think with, so? Like, even with the U- EU thing? Well, the EU wasn't around in the 1700s. Dear EU listeners, let us know exactly how this works in case we have to flee our country. In 2019, you can go anywhere in the EU with an e like just by freedom of movement. There's no like border checkpoints. All right. Right on. Right yeah. on. In 17s, whatever number, I don't know, but I'm guessing there are probably borders. John does not work as a travel agent either. This no, is just, that's this true. Is just common knowledge he has. Yes. Well, <laughs> I know because I have, where well, I can get an EU passport and I looked into it and it's a long, unnecessary story for this podcast, but I have no, some let's get into it for the next 25 minutes. <laughs> has Nick Cage ever done like Dracula? I know he was in Vampire's Kiss, but he wasn't really a vampire. No. I don't know. I'm really unfamiliar with a lot of Nick Cage uh, filmography, to be honest. Yeah. I'm just kind of, I'd like to see his take on the classic Dracula character. That might be fun, too. Speaking of a classic Dracula, let's talk about Mandy. Is there a Dracula in that movie? No. Hey, all you creatures from cyberspace. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Grave Talk podcast. My name is Mark, again, joined by John and Garrett. Fellas, how are we doing today? John, how are you doing? Doing. I'm cold. Yeah, it is cold. It's, uh, this weather's all over the place it's again. gross, this man. Texas weather is for you. It's a smooth, balmy, what, 50-something? Yeah. Blech. It's gross outside. What have y'all been up to? Same old shit. Mm-hmm. Really bringing the energy in today's podcast. Let me tell you what. Yeah, the we're at the top of we're at the top of our game. Let's see. Have I seen anything worth talking about? No. Actually, I watched <laughs> Jaws 3D. You? Yeah. Was it your first time? It was. That movie's amazingly bad. Um, I'm so happy they made it. <laughs> but also, I'm wondering why on earth would SeaWorld want to be associated with this movie? And did that like executive? Get fired. Look, Jaws is the gravy train. All right. You well, you you hit your wagon at anything. But if you're like, oh man, if I want to show I want my park associated with killer sharks and danger and bad attractions. Wait, was it actually SeaWorld or was it like it was, a no, it was SeaWorld? Underwater right. SeaWorld, which never they never made no. one of those. And real the, missed opportunity. Right. right. And the guy's like first idea is like, let's just blow the shark up. Like, all right, fucking easy there, blackfish. Like, let's not murder <laughs> all these animals right away. But anyway, Jaws 3D. Awesome movie. People should watch it. It's on Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. Netflix just put all the Jaws up yeah. to like four on there. Was that one doing the whole like, oh, you can tell it was made for 3D because oh. they're poking at the oh, camera? Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's so many scenes you're just like, and put your glasses on now. 
I probably haven't seen it since I was a kid. So yeah, I forgot. But yeah, that ending scene where the shark smashes through the glass. And so like, great. The dead guy's got a grenade in his hand. So because the fourth one is the revenge. Correct. Yeah. yeah. God, it was amazing yeah. too. Man, Jaws movies go off the rails. Dead. Love them. <laughs> what have you been up to, Mark? Mm-mm-mm-mm. How you doing? Mm-mm-mm. I don't know what I've been up to. <laughs> Other than singing that little ditty you just gave us. I can hardly remember what I did yesterday. Um, you look comfortable. You should take your jacket off and maybe like chill out know, for I a little while. I just told you I was cold. I'm not taking my jacket <laughs> off. Oh, you know what? I did watch Velvet Buzzsaw. Oh, what are your thoughts? I don't really care for it. It's Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Rene Russo and John Malkovich. And they the Malk? The old Malky, he's on the Netflix. I don't know if you know this, but uh, he's been busy lately. Know, so he disappeared for yeah. I think he decided just to become a character actor. I think he was like, "Screw it, I'm just going to start getting these like fun roles." You need a crotchety old man. Guess who's available? <laughs> we got Malkovich. So, from what I've heard, basically all the good parts are in the trailer. Is that your summation as well? Yeah. So it's about an artist who dies upstairs, and uh, the neighbor downstairs is some sort of art curator. Mm-hmm. Um, the artist wanted all his stuff burned. Well, she doesn't obey that wish, and she takes it all. And when they're showing it in a gallery, it's making people feel all kinds of uncomfortable and like, oh, this art makes me feel again. Um, you know, that kind of whole thing. Yeah. And the origin story, the artist, like it's a bunch of cliches mashed together. It's like, is this artist as rich? It's like as he was beaten by his dad and then he went to a loony <laughs> bin course. and it's like everything you could think of thrown into this bucket and to make the art come alive, he was like taking his own blood and putting it in the paint. And then for some reason or another, they, these pieces of art would come to life and kill the people who are looking at it. And that's like the whole shtick. Hmm. Um, most, it's not terrible, but yeah, it's, it's not great. It's, it's not, not great. Right it's okay. It, yeah. It's it, I, if you got something else to watch, check it out. But yeah, <laughs> Uh, mostly I was just reminded how much I hate the art world Okay, because I was in it. I got my degree in art and I hated it. So everybody's like, it's like people fart and then they like to talk how good their farts smell. Mm. That's kind of how art is. That was Mark's, that was Mark's <laughs> college career. Yeah. So I quickly fell out of that because I was just not having a good time. But anyway, it's there. If you have Netflix and you're bored, maybe check it out. Mark's review. That's a, that's a it's sounding there. recommendation right there. <laughs> eh, you know, it's a thing that exists. Yeah. Um, I will say that Jake Gyllenhaal acted very well in it. Okay, you know what? You guys know my feelings about Donnie Darko. Mm-hmm. Fucking hate that movie. Yeah. Still hate that movie. We'll probably always hate that movie unless something magical happens. That dude has really turned his shit around. That dude can act now. Yeah. Um, I mean, even... Everything we, I've seen him in, like... We talked about life, and I thought he kind yeah. of sucked oh, in that movie. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Life. Uh, yeah, I was like, dude. He was good in this one. But so. that was his character, though. That's the thing. Yeah. Was, like, his character sucked in that, but, like, he was fine i mean like, again it's just it's just weird for me because i'm just like oh okay you're actually a decent actor i just really hate that role <laughs> so kudos separate to the art from the actor sometimes there you go. yes you do unless it's nick cage then it's one of the same <laughs> and you will never separate it you will yeah. live it you will breathe it well i guess i'll tell you what i've been up to yeah tell us um i got married got oh. divorced oh um paid all my alimony in one payment oh nice and then uh decided to go ahead and watch the new child's play trailer yeah that's out yes did you guys see that? John? I did. There probably won't be the new Child's Play trailer by the time you're hearing this. It is. Well, I mean, the... it'll still probably be new. I mean, I don't think this this will come out sooner. Well, anyway, <laughs> the the first Child's Play trailer there came out, the one with Aubrey Plaza, and it's um, weird seeing her as the mom now. It is weird seeing Fuck, her as the we're mom. We're all getting so Fellas, old. We're old. <laughs> Speak for yourself, gentlemen. <laughs> I'm a young, 65 years old and counting. You're young at heart. That's what um, counts. It was pretty good. Like, you know, you guys have heard my feelings about this re- reboot, and I'm not particularly still thrilled about the concept of it. 
But from what I saw, it looks to be an entertaining kind of creepy horror movie. So I'm willing to give it more of a shot. The one thing they didn't have in the trailer that they that would have basically been able to make or break my opinion of it so far is we didn't hear Chucky talk at all. Oh, good point. Do we even know who the voice actor is? I think we do. I think it was cast. I don't know who it is. Nick Cage. Oh, get, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> that would be something. This but Nick my... Cage should inhabit a Nick Cage-like doll. It needs to look like him, too. Yeah, facial features, oh, the nose, and eyebrows, all Would of Would you actually want a Nick Cage doll in your house? So <laughs> one-tenth no. size Nick Cage? Um, it looks like it is going to be... Wow, I guess they don't have a name up yet. Dude, what if they're hiding the fact that it's like somebody famous? Ooh, or what if... If it's Ryan Reynolds, I'm fucking done with Hollywood. Oh, God, it better not be. <laughs> what if Jackie doesn't talk? Then what the fuck is the oh don't see John you know I'm trying to be complimentary of this movie and then you just bring that out yeah it doesn't look like they've actually like said who's going to be the voice of um Chucky that's very interesting maybe that's why they didn't have him talk yet um but anyway regardless even though this looked like it was going to be sound like it was going to be garbage at least visually um it looks like it can be entertaining so I'm going to go into this with an open mind as much as I really really don't like the idea of no voodoo I'm going to go into this with an open mind okay, what if it's Brad Dorf? Do you think you'd be allowed to do that, doing both, both? After them, like, kind of, you know, or at least Mancini was so down on the film, I can't yeah. imagine Brad would, like, Yeah, I think Brad's going to be loyal it, you know? to the yeah. other series he's doing, so. It's a really well-cut trailer. But at the same time, that. a job's a job, so. Yeah, it is. Um, but, yeah, the trailer's cut really well. Like, yes. I'm interested. Um, I wasn't so much before the trailer, but now I'm like, okay. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Let's see more. But, yeah, it's all going to hinge on how they treat the Chucky doll and the character. They only showed, like, the back of his head in the trailer and, like, his hand holding a knife. Yeah. So we really haven't seen him in action yet. What's the name of the uh, the serial killer before he's turned into Chucky? Charles Lee Ray. Yeah, that that's not listed here either. In the no, IMDb, there's I just so. checked IMDb. There's yeah, nothing. So it's not listed. like Chucky or Charles Lee Ray's in here. So, yeah, it's weird. Unless his name is Douglas Q Johnson or something. <laughs> we just missed it completely. Wasn't this Chucky going to be like a crazy AI or something? Yep. Yeah, so they still going to have this the Charles Lee Ray character. We don't know. That's what yeah. I'm wondering. Is like, did someone program it to be fucked up? Did someone like you know? Yeah. It's, again, God, I don't know, man. I'm this is so... a good job of a trailer, right? It yes. made us ask more questions and not tell the whole story. As yeah. it were. Well, I'm really glad that in IMDb we do have listed disappointed customer and frustrated customer, so we know who are those characters. It's good. Be. I'm glad yeah. that there's is at least two know? customers. Yeah. Uh, Hannah, Hannah Drew and Vinu Sandu. It's I Brian love Vinu. And who doesn't love Vinu? <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. Be the best frusted crust. <laughs> Frust- frusted crust. <laughs> frusted customer. Of 2019, I guarantee you. Uh, if he doesn't win the Oscar, it's going to really be shit. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a couple things, uh, news and noteworthy I wanted to mention. Makeup artist Matt Rose passed away, uh, so I just wanted to kind of give his oh, name yeah, a shout out. That. He was the guy that did the um, effects and creatures in Monster Squad. Mm-hmm. He also worked on Hellboy. Um, Aliens, Invaders from Mars, Harry and the Hendersons, Predator, Beetlejuice, Fright Night Part 2, Gremlins 2, Ed Wood, Wolf. Batman Forever, Men in Black 3. Like, he's he's been around. He's done a lot of stuff. So I just wanted to kind of say, hey, you know, we appreciate the work he's done. I think the creatures in Monster Squad are still really hold up, like a lot yeah. of the, all the effects when we talked about that episode. I'd agree with that. So, um, R.I.P. Thank you for your contribution to film, sir. Our in bummer news, Julie Andrews died as well from Creatures of the Black Lagoon. Oh, that's right. I saw that. Yeah, so R.I.P. to her as well. Wait, Julie Andrews, isn't she the one in um, Sound of Music? She was 83. 
But uh, it's a good run. Welcome back to obituary talk. Yeah. Hey, grave talk. If anyone, oh, (laughs) okay. Uh, I mean, (laughs) it was, it was, it was was right there. It was good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh wait, she wasn't the Sound of Music. She was Maria von Trapp. There we go. Uh, She was also Mary Poppins, the original Mary Poppins. Mm -hmm. Wow. She had a good run. Yeah. R.I.P. Julie Andrews. John, did you say the right name? I don't think it's Julie Andrews. It's something. Is it not her? What's her name? Sound of Music, Hawaii, Tamarind Seed, Return of the Pink Panther. Who the fuck's her? Is it? And then we get into the 80s. Oh, fuck. (laughs) Julie Andrews, not dead. It's Julie Adams. Adams. (laughs) Julie Adams from Creatures from the Black Lagoon has passed. So R.I.P. to her. R.I.P. Julie Adams. We're going to do one of those, aren't we? Yeah, I think we're going to do um, Creature from the Black Lagoon and Revenge of the Creature, like a, a double feature, same episode type thing. Double matinee, get Uh-oh. your popcorn. The movie holds up really well. Clint Eastwood's like, yeah. in the second one, Revenge of the Creature. Oh, and I've so. never seen the sequel. I, I rewatched the original it's very okay. recently. In and typical it, fashion, those movies are kind of slow. You know, they yeah. definitely kind of pad out the movie to make it a little bit longer, but it's still got some moments where it's like, holy shit, okay, we're doing this. Nice. Cool. Look forward to that. Um, some other things I just wanted to bring up, uh, well, only one other thing, uh, there's a new shutter documentary series that's going to come out. That's going to explore the legend of cursed horror film sets. So that I could be fun. That. Wait, yeah. really? Yeah. So they're going to document the, the stories behind the movies of the exorcist poltergeist, you know, any of these that were considered cursed. That's at cool. The time. Um, I'm looking forward to that. I love like the background stuff yeah. of a lot of these movies. Yeah, that could be really solid. It'll premiere later this year. Keep an eye out for it. But let's get into today's movie. What are we doing? 2018's Mandy. Speaking of movies that pad out. Dude, fuck you. This movie <laughs> from start to finish was amazing. This was this was one of my choices. And I, I really kind of debated on putting it on the list because, again, in typical fashion, like how much of a horror movie is a horror movie? What makes a horror movie a horror movie? But Shudder bought it. Shudder classifies it's kind of as horror. So screw it. This thing is... Such a unique experience. Um, I really wanted you guys to watch it because neither one of you had seen it before, right? Nope. Nope. The trailer came out and it was all like Nick Cage's new movie, Mandy. And I was like, what the hell is this? And I watched it and I was like, I'm in. I don't care what this is. This is, just looks insane. Uh, we went to an opening night screening and I walked out of it just kind of not sure what to think. Like just really kind of like, wait, that was really amazing. But was it good? I don't know. Went back and watched it a second time. It really clicked. There's just something about it that, I mean, it's, it's hard to put into words exactly like what this movie does. It's your standard kind of like crazy revenge flick mixed with like really unique, like colorful, vivid visuals. It's anyway. very, very pretty. I will definitely okay, yeah. give it that. It is shot gorgeously and its use of color is tremendous. Yeah, and that's um, Panos Cosmatos. Yeah, Panos Cosmetos. That dude nailed it. Like this, this thing looked like your classic 70s, like someone's airbrushed it on the side of a van it's like it's like i described as like a heavy metal magazine fucked a side of a van from the 70s with yeah. like a dragon airbrush in the side mixed with like a revenge tale mixed with like a 70s slasher flick i mean it's and it's nick cage which we all know if you're gonna go crazy go nick cage it's a slogan it's a, <laughs> that's a t-shirt boom put that on the shirt have you been Nick Cage crazy this week? But yeah, so tell me what you guys thought. So this was directed by Panos Cosmetos. Okay, that's what you thought. This cool. stars Nicholas Cage as Red Miller, Andrea Risenbro as Mandy Bloom, Linus Roach as Jeremiah Sand, Alan Ferreri as Mother Marlene, Ned Dennehy as Brother Swan. It's sitting at a uh, 91% with the critics. 
out of 218 reviews. Wow. 67% with the audience, only 3,201 reviews so far. That's not a lot for... It's kind of a big difference, too. Yeah. 67 to 91. This 67 movie is way really closer. snuck under the radar, though. Like, this one, I mean, I remember talking to you guys at work about this, just being like, yo, you seen the trailer? And it was like, no one had yeah. heard about this. Um, I think it, like, cost, like, around $6 million, and it only made, like, in the U.S., like, a million and a half. Wow. So, like, so, I mean... It was a really limited release, though. It was That's super... True, yeah. I mean, literally, like, we saw the opening night um, mm-hmm. sneak preview, and then we didn't hear about it being released for, like, another two weeks, and then it was only around for, like, a week. In theaters, and I think it's just because it was just such a limited release, and I don't know why that was. Maybe it was just a production or you know distribution issue or something like that. But yeah, it was not around for long. Yeah, it could also be that like the the director had only really done one notable thing before 2010. He did a movie called Beyond the Black Rainbow, which yeah. I haven't seen. Um, I hadn't seen either, but it sounds interesting. Um, sounds kind of off the wall, like like this movie. So I'm down. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's definitely like an indie film. Um, I did see Elijah Wood produced it. I don't know, if, you know, what yeah, has to so do anything, but. <laughs> that dude is, I mean, I don't know if we've looked at this, but have you seen how much stuff Elijah Wood has like produced and been responsible for making happen lately? That dude, we owe a lot of badass movies to this guy, evidently. Yeah, he's also done like that horror movie Cooties that came out a few years ago. Wait, well, that was him too? He was in it, yeah. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he was one of the teachers. Um, that movie's crazy if you haven't seen it. Oh. It's about zombie children attacking the school. It's got Rain Wilson in oh. it. Rain anyway, Wilson. yeah, it's it's really funny. It's kind of one of those like Tucker and Dale type funny oh, horror okay, movies. Okay. Dark comedy horror things. Yeah. Um, Garrett, I thought this movie was fantastic. Good. I'm glad um, you liked it. From start to finish, I was like enthralled with it. Just the color palette, the weird dreamy psychedelicness of the whole thing. I think part of my uh, viewing pleasure with the film was the first half of the movie, which is surprising to say, because there's like none of the crazy murdering really happening up front. But it's like just the colors and the sounds and everything going on was... When you say first half, give me a, without going into too much detail, like where would you say it kind of like I would say once um, Nick Cage (laughs) has his cage crazy power up scene where he just starts screaming like he's in some anime. Okay, we're talking about the bathroom scene? Yeah. Okay. Everything before that, it was just like, I was just, man, look at this colors. And, you know, this does feel like an LSD color trip and like all kinds of stuff going on. I was just like, you know, trying to process it and figure it out. And I was having a good time trying to figure out what the, the symbolism of this film was. Well, and even all that sit kind of on the, the lake fishing. It was just like, yeah. I was sitting watching, I was like, I should be bored off my ass. But there was the way he shot it, the way the sound was, the way the, the scene played out. I was I was enthralled. And that, that particular scene you bring up of them on the water, the water was running at a different frame rate mm-hmm. than it should have normally. So it did look very weird, but it was cool as shit. Like all the, all the choices I think were really superb. And it's going to be so hard for us to really impart on like what we were seeing. Um, not just like the action and the, the actors, but the way things play on screen, the, the speeds, the, the visual tracers. It really, you, you should do yourself a favor before you like get too far into this. Or if you, if you do listen to this, go watch the movie because there's just there's nothing that us talking about it can really convey as opposed to watching it. Mm-hmm. And I think this one doesn't necessarily need to be viewed beforehand, but you should definitely see it so you can see what we're talking about because we may not be able to per- purvey it as an, as <laughs> as awesome as it is on screen. Yeah, I think you can listen to us talk about the plot. You can you can understand what we're talking about, but to really get what the film is, 
it's a visual auditory experience that goes along with what's actually like written. Yeah. And I think at its core, it's a very simple revenge tale. Like that is just the bare bones of it. If you would just want to kind of break it down, it is a simplistic idea, but there's a lot of symbolism, color, and uh, the direction of the film is a very clear vision that I think they nail 100%. All the acting in it's really good. The mood and atmosphere is just this surreal and off-putting dreamlike state. The movie prefaces each chapter with almost like a crazy 70s um, album cover artwork that kind of gives you a feel like like this this type of album is going to be kind of the feel of this this chapter. And then as things progress, like each chapter has its own unique like visual title card that kind of gives you a feeling of like what should go into go into that area. Um, that's th- hard to explain also. Yeah, I think, think, think of like 70s, 80s fantasy novel title screens because the, the main character, Mandy, she is into a lot of these fantasy novels. She's actually reading these throughout the movie and I think that was an homage to that. So anytime like a setting or place would change, you'd get this really elaborate, you know, super stylized title card as Garrett was saying would pop on screen. I thought it was a neat trick. And it's weird because we we first saw it like that popped up and it was like after the title credits, you you start with Nick Cage out in like, I guess is the Pacific Northwest, like, you know, forest logging and then boom, out of nowhere, title card. And it's like this weird sparkly kind of, you know, trippy, feel good 70s band title card. And I was like, wait, what the fuck is this? Like I, I was totally taken off guard in the theater. And then it started playing out. And that's that's where we get a lot of the scenes that you were talking about where you just kind of get to know them and you kind of see their lifestyle and how they interact with each other. And the way that all goes down is so... God, I can't even find the words. If this was done in a, in a standard movie style, a lot of this stuff would have been very boring. But and maybe John thought it was boring. Oh, because- it was hella boring. Okay. <laughs> so boring. Okay. okay. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think it was boring at all because of if all the visual... If this were like a four-minute music video, I'd be like, wow, this was incredible. But once you get past the visuals, it's like, all right, there's nothing here. When are we watching a laser light show? But I think that's <laughs> I think that's the main draw of it is the visuals. Like, all right, but that's then that's what... fucking two hours of it? Maybe. No, I did not. <laughs> like, I was, I, was, I was like, okay, I got to sit down and rewatch this, which I don't have a problem with. It, but I did, like, was on a kind of time constraint. And I was like, oh, that's right. This movie's two hours long. And it feels <laughs> every second, except for the Cheddar Goblin, which I'm sure we'll get to. Oh. I can use a lot more of him. <laughs> that part was the best. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I agree with everything. It is a gorgeously shot movie. The colors are incredible. Maybe if I were on shrooms, I would have been ingested in the film. I don't think I want to be on any drug watching this thing. um, Probably put me in a corner feeling very scared. Uh, you know, and the acting was great. It just felt like, whew, they were spread in a very thin plot over a lot of minutes of film. Yeah, because when we left the theater the first time, I was like, well, that was an art film. Like, we just saw an art film. Right, it and absolutely that's the, is. I think I described that to you the first yeah. time I talked to you. I was like, oh, it's an art film. You know, don't expect too much. But then it literally infects you. Like, this movie, like, I couldn't get it out of my fucking head. Like, I just kept thinking about it more and more. And the more I started thinking of scenes, like, I realized how much they stuck with me. Even those, like, mundane, boring scenes you described, John, like, and when she's on the bed reading the book and the lights are doing that weird kind of, you know, let's put those little glasses on to make the lights go all prismatic and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like even when she's just reading the the passage from that book and the lights are doing that, like I was thinking about those scenes and I'm like, why am I even like concerned with this? But it had made an imprint on my, my consciousness. And it was so weird because the more I thought about it, I was like, I got to go back and rewatch this. And I did. And after that, it just clicked. 
And maybe that's just the, you know, John, maybe you, you watched it in a different mindset when you went into it. Like, but I was looking for meaning behind all the visual choices, right? Like, mm -hmm. why is this scene becoming saturated in neon pink and blue? Like, what is the point of the water, like, looking as it does? You know, like, I was really trying to, like, figure it out like a puzzle. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Seeing if I could get to the meaning behind why this director was choosing to do it in such a fashion. And maybe there wasn't necessarily a meaning behind every one of those things. But the thing, like you said, though, like the way it the way it looks, the way it feels, it it does make you think about every part of those little details. And that's again, I think that's why like, I remember so many of those scenes. I'm like, well, why did the light do this or why did they shoot her from that angle? It may have been nothing. It may have been absolutely nothing. But the way right. the way it happened, the way it played out, like it affected me. So it was like, OK, cool. Even if you guys didn't intend that, kudos. So let's get into the plot a little bit. Red is a lumberjack. He's on his way back home, I guess. Like he he doesn't go to work again, right? Like he, we see him in the beginning, he's chopping yeah. a tree, then he gets on a helicopter and he's like, hey, you want a beer? And he's like, nah, bro. And then like he goes home and I was like, okay, I guess he doesn't have to work the next day. Like, no. <laughs> I think we were supposed to get that he doesn't drink anymore because later on in the bathroom scene, he goes and pulls out a hidden bottle of booze. Mm. A very hidden bottle of booze yeah, okay. and hard liquor too. So I think I think Red is supposed to be like I just don't drink anymore. Maybe there's a history behind that. Maybe there's not. I, I I don't know. Like how much time do you think passed between him leaving work and the events playing out? Because I thought maybe it was like maybe a day or two, like a weekend. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, the time in this movie is not a a, a thing I could nail down exactly. Uh, a weekend feels right. He comes home. Then we see the next day. Yeah, I feel like two or three days. Yeah, they're out be fishing. Tops. They're out yeah. fishing, and then like because they have the evening together, they go out fishing. Then they have the like the bonfire, and 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 like John said, these are very mundane scenes of just people just relaxing and chilling out on their weekend. But you know, again, due to the visual and the the soundtrack, the soundtrack is so fucking amazing. Synth, I did like synth that. Synth-laden, yeah. just moody, atmospheric synth stuff going on. It was really cool. You know what this movie reminded, reminds me of, which is weird that we're on the opposite side, is It Follows. It is a lot like that. I guess if you put a red tint on It Follows, y'all would love it. I would hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the color palette. That's it. That movie's blue. This one's red. <laughs> yeah. Boo red. Yay, blue. <laughs> I'm a red man. <laughs> hey, the character's name's literally oh, red. Shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, Mandy is an artist. She's doing prism color or, you know, you know like matte pencil style uh, 3D, like you were saying, kind of like art you would see on a side of a van in the 80s. It's um, very, like you mentioned, heavy metal. In fact, there's like animated scenes that look exactly like they were lifted yeah, from the movie. That's heavy totally metal. a heavy metal, like homage from the animated yeah. scenes. But like, and yeah, Mandy's wearing movie. all kinds of metal shirts throughout the entirety of the movie, Black Sabbath. And, and it's like Motley classic Crew. metal, 70s yeah. metal, doom yeah. metal, black metal. I mean, and there's, there's, there's just every, every choice is deliberate. It feels like, um, but yeah. And this is one of the few movies where an artist is doing art in the movie and it's actually good art. Yeah. I was like, damn, she's good. I was like, <laughs> Oh, way to go. I can see why you're an artist. Unlike I mean, the Freddie, uh, was it nightmare on Elm street remake where she was a garbage ass artist. Most <laughs> and in bird box. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's been so many movies where the yes. artist is kind of like, okay, you know what? No offense to artists. You know, everyone's talent level is different, but you know, if I'm going to believe you're a professional artist, you better have some kind of professional level something. So Nick Cage, he's coming back from, I, maybe he works like seven on, seven off or something. You know, a lot of those like... That's true. If you have the helicopter jobs. into work, you probably yeah, get a couple I, of days off. You don't take the copter every day. <laughs> yeah. Go pick him up. 
<laughs> Monday through Friday. Um, yeah, he's he's coming home. His he's, commute sucks. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, Nick Cage is driving home, and they have like a snippet of Ronald Reagan playing on the radio, talking about how all Americans disprove of pornography. And I was like, what is that? Like, why is that here? Is it just set the mood of the eighties? Right? Like, yeah, it really kind of yeah, set that. Like, that's what I figured. And so I, I, I kind of got that as that, um, you know, because he turns it off, and I think I got that as like that's the feel of what they want you to think America's like, but they're out in the Pacific Northwest to kind of have the freedom to be truly who they are, you know, listen to the metal and not really be, I don't know. I got that as kind of like, we're choosing to not live by your, your, you know, dictated confines. And then they just chill out. They just chill out for a while. Yeah. A lot of random conversations, like what's your favorite planet? You know, a lot of this stuff, again, like I was saying, if it wasn't such a visually heavy, uh, you know, in psychedelic inducing movie, like a lot of this stuff would have come off pretty plain and boring. It was plain and boring. And shout out to my Marvel nerds. <laughs> Nick Cage says Galactus he is does. his favorite planet. John, are you like a cat and only see the color blue? No, I mean, look, is I John get colorblind? it. Did we just, <laughs> I think that's why he's so bored through I, it. I get it, but it's like, all right, cool. They're going to talk about their favorite planet for like seven fucking minutes. Like, I agree. I mean, don't get me wrong. I can see where you're coming from. And if, if visually and through sound, I wasn't so intrigued. I would probably be bored off my fucking ass. I just think they, yeah. they did that well enough to kind of distract me from that. Cause she has, she tells uh, Nick Cage about a dream she has. It's a really fucked up dream where they have to like kill an animal or. Okay. I actually, yeah. So there's a, a, during one of the scenes of them just hanging out, kind of, you know, hanging around a fire or something. She starts telling Nick Cage about a, a time in her past where her father made her and her siblings kill baby birds. That's right. Inside That's of right. a pillowcase with a crowbar. One day, me and a bunch of the other kids from the neighborhood were playing on this empty ladder. My dad came walking across with a pillowcase and a crowbar. And there was something, you know, moving around inside of the pillowcase, like squirming around. And he said, we should gather around. He had something to show us. And so we all gathered around. And he emptied what was in the pillowcase on the ground. And it was a, it was a bunch of baby starlings, and he told us that he was going to show us how to kill them. Yeah, it was really fucked up. And I was like, "What the hell, dude? Like, what kind of life was Mandy uh, put through? She's a she's a very off kilter character. Also, like, she seems like she's very timid and very. Um, it's hard to get a feel reserved. for any character in this movie, which I think goes to adding the whole like we don't really know what the fuck's going on until it goes on. That to me is what makes these scenes so boring, though. Is they're not developing these characters except for that one story. You're all just saying like we don't even know anything about these characters. It's like fuck, we spent like an hour and fifteen minutes with them before anything happens and we're like it's I don't not know that anything. long but I can it see is. how it feels that the long. title card for Mandy comes up an hour and 15 minutes into the movie yeah but the the title card for the the cult of the the new dawn comes up and that's where things start really developing fair fine so so we'll second 45 act, minutes second act is where things start really right. picking up but we don't know anything about the characters we don't really get a good feel for them like we're having to guess about a lot of things that you think so they would have exposit you didn't feel those scenes really kind of like made you feel how much these characters care about each other and how much they mean to each yes. other i yes they did they could have also done it in like half the time so. i see i see what you're saying john um I, I guess the thing is like all those scenes really the the long expansion of it you know really kind of maybe like care about those characters more when we got to act two sure. and yeah it could have been done in half the time but i think i think in act two where it really picks up 
is was just more intensified by having those long drawn out, like just through their mundane activities. I mean, that's the thing is like, not to spoil it for the ladies out there, but you guys are married. <laughs> like you have um, those interactions where you just are doing stuff with your wives. And like, I mean, don't you just have those moments where those little things of nothingness mean a lot? And yes, I kind of got that from like drawing it out really made me like realize like, oh, they're so ingrained in each other's lives. What happens next, which we'll get into in just a minute, you know, like was that much more intense for me? And if it was shorter, I don't know if I would have had that level of connection. I was been like, OK, people are just doing some shit. Let's go. But I think by really forcing me to live in their shoes for a little while, that kind of intensified it for me. Garrett one, John zero. Just, no, no. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, I want to touch on the bird thing because they spent a lot of time describing this story. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on? Was Mandy's dad a fucked up dude? Like, is she having some, you know, trauma? I looked up, I uh, went on the internets oh. to find out what a starling was because that's the name of the bird. She said they put in the the sack to beat with a crowbar. According to falconforce.com. Fuck yes. Isn't that an awesome (laughs) name for a website? It's all about birds, too. Falcons, (laughs) I hope. This is what it has to say about starlings. The most common and worst nuisance bird species in North America is the European starling. A mere 60 birds were introduced from uh, Europe to New England in 1890, which turned into a terrible environmental disaster within a century. Their population is estimated to be between 750 million to 1 billion. What? According to the USDA. Starlings travel in flocks of thousands and pose an incredible hazard to air travel. They also cause hundreds of millions of dollars of damage to agricultural operations yearly. So this bird is a fucking nuisance. So maybe he was training them to kind of like, we just have to take care of what we got to take care of to like handle our own. Bro, they're going to need to step it up then because killing them in a bag (laughs) is not going to make a dent. (laughs) Yeah, it says it's not uncommon for flocks of 4,000 starlings to cause major loss of revenue in a large vineyard in a week's time. They also go on to say that they're not protected under any like other type of like conservation level, (laughs) you know, um, foul, whatever. Imagine going from 60 to a billion in 100 years. They're not endangered. They're doing fine. That's a population explosion. (laughs) So, okay, so I guess maybe he was he wasn't fucked up as much as I thought he was then, like making him just kill birds because... It sounds like he was kind of like, look, this is what we have to do to keep our shit above water. Yeah, maybe he knew something. But yeah, the way the movie presented it is like, dude, her dad is a mess. Like, yeah, wow. yeah, that's what I thought too. And I, I looked like, it up, I was like, oh, well, fuck them Sterlings. Give me a crowbar, <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> what was that Simpsons episode where they had to go kill snakes, the snakes. with the bats? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Grave Talk is not pro-European Starling. Starling. Yeah, we found the one animal. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so Mandy is, she works at like a corner store, right? I think she runs is like the, the local like kind of like gas station or whatever. Yeah, we're, we're introduced to a van full of creepy characters. Yeah, so chapter two starts and this reddish kind of creepy Stranger Things-esque title card comes up and it's like the cult of the new dawn. And we cut to her at the, the store and what, an old lady comes in? Yeah, her name is Mother Marlene. She's one of the cult members that we're going to have uh, serious interactions with here shortly. Doesn't that happen later? Doesn't he see her walking home from like a lake and then he's like, go get me that lady? And well, that's no, I think John's correct. Like she's walking to work or whatever and the van drives oh, that's by. Right, that's right. Okay. And there's like they do that weird trippy scene where it's all in the, the LSD colors and then it like freeze frames at the very last moment on Mandy's face. And I took that to be the moment that the cult leader Sand decided yeah. it was like I need this woman yeah so that's yeah. basically the crux of the rest of the film and before we get that we get this weird slow it feels like slow motion but it's not like 
red, completely red-tinted paint across every member of this cult inside the van. Yeah. And then it cuts to the, the cult leader's uh, face, Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to Mandy, who's walking by. And then it does that freeze frame. And, like, you're right. That's exactly the moment where he was like, that is something. You know, like, that's where he goes fucking creepy and is like, I got to have her. We see Mandy at work and Mother Marlene, one of the cult members, comes in and she's, like, being weird. <laughs> you know, oh, you live around here? You know, trying to fish some information out of, like, where she's at. Because Jeremiah Sand, the cult leader, is like, go get her from me. Yeah. I must have her. She's got a an energy that is like mine. Yeah, and this dude is total Charles Manson-esque. Like, this guy, like, he's talking to Mother Marlene. He's like, go get her. And she's like, I don't think we need her. And he's like, fucking do it. Like, just he's goes, such a dick to her. Like, oh, oh and then and he, like, he mocks her constantly. He's like, you'll yeah. never ascend with me if you don't do this. And he's like, go get the other guy. His name is Brother Swan. Brother Swan. And, and this dude is my acting MVP of the movie. Um, act, okay. Ned Dennehy is always in these creepy roles. and he Is he, he related to Brian Dennehy? I don't know. That's good I, I literally said Brian Dennehy early in the episode. I was like, <laughs> how did I? <laughs> of the Scotland Dennehys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, Brother Swan was really awesome because. Um, he, he portrays a, a cult member so well, like his dead-eyed stare and his just creepiness. Like he imbued that. He has drunk the Kool-Aid. That dude is yes. full committed to this. Yeah, and so, all the cult member, I mean, all the acting in this movie is above par. When they get an opportunity to act, it is great. No, that's absolutely great. And you know what? You're right, though. Not a lot of people get an opportunity to act, but just some of their like background acting is yeah. just very impactful. And then we cut to night out in the fucking forest yeah. where um, Swan and a couple of the other uh, cult members are in a van and he gets out and has like this little rock shell whistle mm-hmm. thing. Yep. So this is I want to uh, know where the fuck did that come from? Like how do you get that? Bought it from Sally by the seashore. <laughs> <laughs> the cult leader Jeremiah Sands hands him a rock and he calls it the horn of Abraxas. <laughs> it's like yes. What is this? So I think that's kind of more homage to those fantasy novels. That oh, we're it absolutely. Because well, you know later on, I mean? they have a knife, and they're like, "This is the knife of the void of the plague." Something. And I'm just like, yeah. "I love these fucking names." <laughs> so Brother Swan's standing out in the woods with, I don't know, some sort of mongoloid boy. I don't yeah, know if I ever caught his it was name. Like a real demon at first, and then I like started <laughs> to piece together. Oh, he's just some sort of fucking weirdo. But at first, I was like, "Oh, okay, this is gonna have some supernatural shit in it." Yeah, it but, does not. But the guys in the van with Swan guy, they they were like missing a couple chromosomes. You do uh, with a little like you know a little blue boy. Yeah, like, you know, he starts playing with the the window, <laughs> <laughs> like the, you know the automatic window. Uh, yeah, he blows the horn, and then these. Biker demons yeah. roll out of nowhere. They look like they're straight out of like maybe Hellraiser plus Road uh, Cinnabite Warrior. bikers is what I wrote <laughs> yeah. down. Like they and and this this sort of happened in the theater. And you know, not that I advocate drug use. Seriously, weed is awesome. Uh, we may have been high when we saw this, and at the theater, like holy shit, when that happened on the screen, I was like, this is gonna take a turn. I was like, yeah, I, I do thing. not know what's going on here, but I am suddenly very uncomfortable. But these like biker and like weird goopy leather Cenobite outfits pull up, get out of the get out of the fucking get off their bikes, walk up to Swan, and they're like blood for blood. Yeah, and evidently you you hire these guys to like do something for you, but they want blood in return. And he's like, of course, but first let's do the deed. And yeah, that's he where hand, he hands the leader like a mason jar of goop. He like <laughs> drinks it down and then it's like, it's time to go get Mandy. I think that's the special brew of LSD that they were talking about that the chemist makes. Wow. Because remember, because remember yeah, later yeah, Nick yeah. Cage dips his finger in it and fucking has a full on. If like, that's the potency of just one finger dip. 
Can you imagine yeah. drinking the whole jar? Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll get to those guys a little bit later, but yes. And the scene of, of the home invasion and the kidnapping was so muted and um, lack of energy. Like, did you notice that? I don't know if it had a lack of energy because I thought like... Because it looks like they just kind of gently lay Nick down. <laughs> they show his head. Someone slowly wallops him in the head and he passes out. And Mandy's just like looking at him. And there's like no sound. Well, the the scene starts out. It's like just Nick Cage and Mandy sleeping in their like dark room. And it's just like night. And they have like a big window. So there's like some natural light coming through. And then out of nowhere, like this lightning-esque blue and white, like kind of strobe effect starts happening. Well, yeah. And, then, okay. and, you, and you start seeing like the creepy ass like bikers like appear in the room, like standing there like, like Cenobites. And um, yeah. then out of nowhere, they jump on top of Mandy and Nick and or Red yeah. And then they they basically incapacitate him. And then, yeah, you're right. There's not a whole lot of struggle to it. But to be fair, you get jumped by a gang of fucking pain bikers and a cult. What are you going to do? I mean, there's not a whole lot of options you have at that point. I, I don't know, man. It's hard to like, like say. It, like, it didn't bother me at all. It was just an, a, a different choice. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, okay. Now, John, did you actually like this scene? Because I feel like this is one of the most horror-esque scenes Yeah, this in was the movie. cool. I liked, um, I think once this all starts happening, the movie gets significantly better because you know, things start happening. So, um, I did like the scene. Um, yeah, I agree. It wasn't like the most high energy scene, but I thought Intense. it worked. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was fine, you know, cause also it, the movie finally starts to pick up. So you don't really spend a lot of time dwelling on this anyway. Next thing you know, some more weird shit's happening. So I thought I was fine with it. I guess it stands out more because what happens like at the end of the movie where they really turn it up that, yeah, it's so subdued right now. You have no idea what's coming. Yeah. But up to this yeah. point though, this is the most intense thing True. that's happened. So it's like, Oh wow. Okay. Like I said, when they start popping up and the, the strobe light effect, yeah. I'm like, get up. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm visually uncomfortable. Like, I'm like, you gotta get up. They, um, not kidnap, but they kind of uh, overpower uh, Red and Mandy, knock Red out right away. Mandy wakes up and she's in a room with Mother Marlene and then she's like... And then the other female cult member, the younger yeah, one. Yeah, Lucy, I think is her name. Don't worry. Those scary men are gone now. They got what they came for. I guess you're wondering where your hubby is. Don't you worry. He's just fine. And he'll stay that way, as long as you're a good girl and do as you're told. Marlene is starting to have a little bit of jealousy, I think, yeah, here. Yeah, she's getting oh, major she's jealousy. She's really, yeah. like, kind of like, she slaps her really hard. <laughs> do you understand me? You know, he thinks you're so special. And I hope you realize what that means. The responsibility is on you, Buster. And then, then she's like, the chemist made some of his best stuff, right? And then she like holds her eye open and drops in LSD, LSD yeah. and then takes a wasp. Very good. Hold still. Hold still. And this wasp is like the size of my hand in this Huge. weird fucking goop. Yeah, go look up Japanese um, wasps. Is that, that what it is? That, that was the closest thing I could think of, but they're, they are the size of your hand. Yeah, Holy this crap. part I fucking hated. I was like, all right, what am I watching here? Because, oh, and she takes so that big. giant wasp in a pair of tongs and has it inject the venom into her fucking neck after like dropping LSD in her eye. And she's like, I call this the cherry on yeah, top. And I was so like, fucked up. 
I was like, whoa, Venom LSD, I'm fucking way out. I was like, holy shit, that's insane. I, I wrote down, Manny's about to have a real bad time. <laughs> she did? <laughs> Um, so is that yeah. before or after he takes his clothes off? <laughs> oh, that was before it's even worse. Yeah. So they bring Mandy in and they, they're all sitting. The thing is, is they're still in Mandy's house. Yes. They're you know inside. What I mean? They didn't mm-hmm. take her anywhere. They literally just have her oh, tied yeah. up in her own home and they're all hanging out and all the cult members are looking all weird on the couches and stuff. And Jeremiah comes in and he's all, and there's a huge visual, like 3d red and blue kind of disparity between like the way the, the frames play out this scene visually and like via the, like the audio um, dialogue is so uniquely creepy. Like you feel like you're on something, even if you're like, you're like you it happens and then you're like, okay, no, this She's this whole up. this whole part is a visual treat. Like I couldn't imagine being on drugs and watching this thing. I think my brain would melt <laughs> into the couch because they do this thing also whenever be all right. whenever Jeremiah is talking and in exposing or dumping expo exposition exposition. Thank expose. you. Got me monologuing. Yeah, when he's dumping his exposition, they start to do this effect where Mandy's face fades in and off of um, Jeremiah's, Jeremiah's yeah. face. And I was like, dude, that's such a fucked up Well, that effect. was first playing out because I saw that in the trailer and I was like, oh, I thought like in the trailer you see like a clip of it. I thought he took her face like 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 through like a demon spell like made him and her one. Do you and then think I he took her it. face off? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the reference, Mark. Um, yeah, so I had no idea. So when I saw this scene, I was like, what the fuck is going on? That was so weird. But yeah, come to find out, Jeremiah is just a failed musician. Dude, that was so funny. I agree. When he when she started laughing at him, that was like one of the highlights of the movie for me. Yeah, yeah he's, I, he's talking about, he's like, he's like, yeah, have you ever heard of the Carpenters? They're amazing, but not as good as this. And he pulls out <laughs> his own record. And then he basically goes on. He's like, the world didn't give me a chance to properly spread my gospel. Like they didn't, the, the bastards didn't give me my opportunity to reach the world. And, like and the, so that's why he becomes a cult leader. Yeah. I was like, this dude just wanted a good Yelp review. And he's just kidnapping people to show off his record collection. <laughs> <laughs> so insane. Hey, this is real shit right here, bro. Um, this scene, I had to rewind several times because I couldn't understand what Mandy was saying. Like put I put on subtitles, man. I did. Okay. I, that's what I did. I rewound I, it. I had the home movie with subtitles. Oh, see, like, makes yeah. your shit better. Uh, see, everybody. I had them, I had them off until my third viewing, just because I feel like if the subtitles were on my screen while I was watching it, it would have affected what I was seeing. It would have broken up the visual aspect mm-hmm. of it. I can sometimes get distracted because I find myself just reading and not seeing what's happening on screen. So mm-hmm. I don't always throw them on there. But this was an instance where I was like, what is she saying? Because what where does she, she starts, say? She starts laughing maniacally. So um, this is after he like opens his yeah. robe and shows him like her tiny, his yeah, tiny oh yeah, He's dick. standing naked the whole scene, by the way, which is like so, makes it so much funnier when she starts laughing at him. Yeah. Jeremiah is dumping his uh, info on Mandy about being chosen by God and his importance. And then he, un, uh, he unfurls. Pull, unfurls his robe, full male nudity, and he says, let us be very special together. Be gentle like me. And then Mandy says, "This you made this song? He's like, yep. <laughs> and she's like, and it's about you? And he goes, yes, it is. And then she's just laughing her head off. Yeah. And for what I thought, he starts like jerking off and yelling at her. Is that what was going on? I think that's what I think he was trying to maintain an erection because like this whole thing that he had built up as being I this like so thing too. he was doing was like being crumbled by her laughing at him. Don't you fucking look at me! 
you don't see his hand obviously on his junk, but you can see him like gyrating, and it's like, oh man, this dude's is... got a lot of insecurity issues, yeah, and the real. fact that like from his music to like his dick to anything, and you just sit and watch it, you're like. Oh, dude. Yeah, her laughing and watching that dude's entire, like, I am the thing of, you know, life. It's like, just crumble before him. I was like, that's so amazing. Yeah, because he gives this just boring, like, boring, but, like, really intense. Like, it I, is very speech. intense, but long. I yeah, will say it's a really long. long speech. And all Mandy heard was that he made this shitty record. And yes. that was, like, fucking cherry and on it top. And it makes it even better when you consider <laughs> that throughout the entirety of Mandy's uh, on-screen presence, she's been wearing these metal shirts. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's, like, so, total, like, it's, like, if you took, like, a metal person to, like, a fucking, like, Mama and the Papa's concert, and they're, like, get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah. that's exactly yeah. how she's, like this is garbage. And you're just like, with her laugh, she said that and he just loses his shit. He compares himself to the carpenters. He's like, but they had nothing on this. Yeah. He's like, they're superb, but not as superb as me. And it's like, oh boy, here we go. This was one of the best scenes in the movie. This is the director saying, hey, all you snooty fucking musicians who think you're the shit, you ain't shit. (laughs) And this is where shit goes off the rails. Like this is where it gets done and done because we cut to Nick Cage outside tied to a tree with barbed wire. His hands are barbed wired around the tree. There's a barbed wire like wire going around his mouth, like in between his lips tied around the tree. So he can't move his head forward. Jeremiah comes out with two of the cult members and he's like, you think your little slut and whore like have something special? Like I'll show you what special is. He makes Lucy play Russian roulette with a gun, puts a single bullet in there, spins the chamber, makes like yeah. him bullet. Which I thought was really great in the fact that like Nick Cage's reaction after everything that's gone on, he's still like, don't do it. Like he's still mouthing and trying to be like, no, no, don't do this to Lucy. Like he's like, I don't want to see you blow your head off. And it's like this moment of humanity and this like he's lost, but you can tell he's still at heart like the solid person he is. And she survives. She pulls the trigger. It doesn't kill him. And he's like, that's what true love is. They bring out Mandy in like a duffel bag yeah. or whatever. And they then string he her that up. Great line of like, you know what Jesus's mistake was? He didn't demand a sacrifice. It's like, <laughs> oh, Jesus, fuck. All right. Yeah. This dude is like full off the rails. And this dude is like conjuring all of like the 70s cult leader yeah. massacres with the green Kool-Aid, you know, that whole mentality. Um, yeah. So they proceed to light Mandy on fire and they, they, they hang her upside down and they burn her like the brighter the flame the more of a whore she was or whatever and it's like oh yeah it was like the the bigger the 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 darker the whore the brighter the flame and i was like yo you can't say that i was like that's so fucked up and the thing is like they do an amazing job every cult member like they kind of do a slow pan across everyone and like one of them's like shooting blanks from his fingers at the at mandy burning like he's shooting finger guns at her yeah, each member is a varying degree of disturbing, just how they're reacting to yeah. her burning. None of them are good people. But they're, they're all, all like on board. They're all enjoying this to some like weird pleasure. And it's like, yo, this is so fucked up. And Nick Cage swinging for the fences, hitting it out of the park is like crying and screaming, but it's muted and you can't really hear it. And the dude's watching his like love of his life just get burned before him. And he's breaking. He's doing a very good job of displaying anguish without sound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who don't think Nick Cage is a good actor. And you know what? He does play some things a certain way that I'm like, okay, I can see how you'd say that. But Nick Cage can fucking act. That dude has an emotional range that is unparalleled. But yes, in this scene, you're feeling everything. 
And then Jeremiah stabs him in the gut with the dagger of void darkness or yeah. whatever it is. Oh, and it's leaves, his great name. And then he leaves him to die. And that was obviously Jeremiah's fatal mistake. Is not just offing Cage when he had the chance. Or Red, sorry. Yeah. Um, so they leave and Red manages to free his hand from the barbed wire. He, he rips it out. Through, and it's, oh, it's, oh, it's rough yeah, watching it. It looked yeah, painful as shit. And intense. then he—that's when he goes into the bathroom and finds that hidden bottle of booze. Mm. Well, no, wait, hold on. Time let's out. get the marks. Let's get the John's favorite part. Oh, there's I'm missing a piece. He oh, walks yeah. up. Well, first before we get that, he crawls over to the pile of what should be like bones, but they get blown away into dust. So Mandy's body literally like ashes away in front of him, and then he walks inside in this daze. Yeah, and the TV's on, and John is playing, playing the most amazing commercial <clears throat> I've ever seen in my life for Cheddar Goblin Mac and Cheese. Cheddar Goblin, did you call the macaroni and cheese? Nothing's better than cheddar. Cheddar Goblin. Everything in this movie goes on for a long time. This did not go on for long enough. I could have watched 20 minutes of this commercial. And the goblin starts throwing up mac and cheese Pouring all it. over them. <laughs> 200% more mac and cheese, and then just cuts to them just covered in cheese. Goblin. Sign me up, Cheddar Goblin. I'm down for your mac so and cheese. So that commercial was done by the guy who did the uh, Too Many Cooks thing from Adult Swim. Oh, oh, nice. Yeah, he did that as a little like segment, and they put that in the movie. That's dope. It worked really well. Because also, like, yeah, you just saw this intense, like, emotional scene. And then this comes, and it's, like, jarring. And then, yeah, the next scene. Well, Cage well, is, like, like, standing behind the couch, like, in this daze, watching this yeah. commercial. Because he just can't, he can't comprehend. Can't process what is happening. because, like, he watches the commercial, he goes, Goblin. Like, he, like, like kind of, like, oh, yeah, Cheddar Goblin. And then walks into the bathroom. Well, let me just say that if you have not seen too many cooks on Adult Swim's uh, channel, you got to watch that thing. Yes. That thing is insane. Uh, secondly, the tagline for the Cheddar Goblin goblin and cheese was your kids will goblin it up <laughs> see that's so great <laughs> so yes then nick cage goes into the bathroom and he pulls out his secret stash of vodka and then we have my favorite scene which is his anime transformation into monster hunter killer crazy man yeah with we an see axe. the full range of nick cage's acting ability in which this scene i'm 100% convinced that's how he preps for every acting scene before he they say action. He's yeah. just like, ah, ah, there's ah, no ah. soundtrack. It's him taking a swig of fucking vodka, a massive like chug of it. Yeah. And then starts like crying and then takes another massive like guzzle and then starts like yelling and then pours it all over his wounds and then starts freaking the fuck out and then goes and sits on the toilet like all calm and disillusioned, takes another giant guzzle swig and starts freaking the fuck out. I mean, the it is... There's no soundtrack, and the way it's it's clearly a little small set. This was my favorite part of the movie. When this shit started happening, I was like, holy fuck, this is where the movie becomes everything I've ever wanted. Yeah. Well, to Mark's point, it was a small set because that's just a secret camera in his trailer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was actual footage. Yeah, they didn't even need him to act there. My God, it was amazing, it was though. really good. So at this point, the movie does take another change of yeah. pace. It is now going to be your 80s or, you know, 70s grindhouse, like, action film, right? Yes. This part, like, from now on, I, no complaints. Really great. It is very grindhouse-y. Like, I loved it. 
Cage so, is going to get revenge. He's a lumberjack. And that's okay. Who Wait, knows? Wait, is that the Money Python thing? I don't, I don't remember that. Yes, it is. You okay, got it. Cool. Sweet. <laughs> he's a lumberjack and he's okay. I always I always mess up Monty Python lines. So I was like, oh, I hope I didn't just embarrass myself in front of all the listeners. No, you nailed it. I Sweet. actually didn't catch it until you pointed it <laughs> out. Um, he's a lumberjack who can apparently smelt his own axe. And not yeah. just any axe. This is like a full-on fantasy Viking axe. Right. This is the fucking coolest thing. <clears throat> Honestly, I want to cost. But first, he has to go get his crossbow. The Reaper. So oh, does he get that first? He gets yes. that first. Okay. Yeah. So he decides at that moment, like he looks up at the camera and stares dead at the audience, like like he knows exactly what he's going to do. He comes screeching up to Bill Duke, which is the uh, the guy from Predator. Um, his trailer knocks on the door and on the door it says fuck off and then he like knocks on the door and he's like can't you read yeah I love and that and then he scene. knocks again and he opens up he's like it's you I haven't seen you in a long time they look like so- you look like something happened to you and then he comes in and he's like I'm here for the reaper and he's like it's right there and it's this crossbow I was like I love the fact that they call every weapon has like a crazy yes. ass like fantasy like badass like name He's like the Reaper. This is like where my head cannon like filled in. I was like, okay, maybe he was like a badass, like in the Mandy prequel. And then he had to go hide and be like a fucking lumberjack. And that's why he is a exceptional when he goes to town, man. Like, I don't think this is regular lumberjack training. Dude, yeah. He is a commando, like yeah. with precision arrow shots it's and all kinds awesome. of stuff. It is fucking um, amazing. And this, this is my favorite, my second favorite part of the movie. They're having this, um, this conversation and he's all like, he what goes, do they do to you? He goes, what are you hunting? He says, Jesus freaks. Oh, yeah. And the way like, Nicholas Cage didn't know they were in season. Yes. The way <laughs> Nicholas Cage delivers his lines, it's so just kind of like he, it all makes sense to him. Like, there's nothing right. weird about what he's saying. He's all like, these just crazy hippie freaks that just, you know, they, uh, and it's like, and then Bill Duke is like, well, if you're going to do that, I got something special for you. Right, right cabinet. And he opens them up and there's these two arrows. He's like, those are special. They'll cut through bone like a fat kid through cake. And I was like, I love that, right. that line. I was like, that's so fucking Which cool. Also comes back later when he actually uses them and they, and anyway, it's great. Carruthers. Yeah. That's Bill Duke's name. Uh, and this movie. Carruthers. I see that. Yeah. Carruthers is like, okay, there's been stories and rumors about this crazy sect of bikers. Yeah, apparently who they've been like attacking truckers, killing truckers, making prostitutes disappear, um, gutted bodies on doorsteps. I mean, he goes through a litany of like crazy shit that's been going on that are um, supposedly like related to these this crew. Well, let me ask you a question: Do you actually think those guys are literal demons, or if they're just drugged out dudes who live in a fucking warehouse? Originally, I thought they were like actual demon creatures, mm-hmm. uh, but the like. More I watched the movie and the more I thought about it, I was like, oh, I think they're just like PCP heads. That's kind of what I think. Because if you if you take if you take into account that these this cult is all on LSD, they're holding rocks that they say are special names. Right. Who's to say before um, you know, Brother Swan summoned them the first time, if someone just didn't make a phone call off screen, right. say, Hey bros, we're gonna come do a thing, and then like in his LSD trip to Hayes, he just goes out and blows in a rock and they show up. <laughs> and like part of it too, I feel like whenever I'm watching the cult stuff, I just assume they're on acid, it's unreliable. We're seeing it through their perspective of where weird shit, you know. Right. And then like, you know, there could be what really admit turn this movie instantly into a comedy if there is a sober person right there and you cut to their view and it's just like everything's completely fucking just weird <laughs> yeah. people doing weird shit we need like an office cut like yes. with the side documentary style camera oh man yeah i think you guys are just like because uh, carruthers like tells him he's like there's a chemist who lives up here who made them a special batch of lsd they took it 
And it was so crazy and intense that they were never the same. And like, they just lost it. Like they just completely lost their shit and were beyond like whatever. And they're the ones doing all the stuff. And then he's like, I seen them once from a distance. What you're hunting is rabid animals and you should go in knowing that your odds ain't that good and you will probably die. It'll be negative. Last I heard on the CB, they were spotted down near Spirit River. When I seen them things, they were in a world of pain. But you know what the freakiest part was? What's that? They fucking loved it. That and so you basically idea, you get the idea that these are sadist monsters who and your your PS your PSP your your, <laughs> your PC Changs. your PCP theory holds up because people on PCP can do fucking amazing right. feats and get hit and keep going. So yeah, we see one of them get shot with one of those arrows, and he just like yanks it out backwards. Oh, and you're yeah, like, completely ineffectual. And he crashes his car trying to run one of them over. And yeah, this this is specifically the crazy PCP biker. Yeah, he starts gang. with the bikers. Right. So he yeah. he's it's, this movie's now going to take a trail where he's going to lead himself to uh, Jeremiah. He's going to follow the clues. So yeah. he's, he's working his way through all of the, the villains of the movie <laughs> he's one by one. mowing them down. Yeah. And like you said, Garrett, like that the scene where he somehow runs his car and crashes it, I thought was very strange. I thought he, he well, he hit something by accident. He was so focused on hitting the dude in the middle of the road because he shoots an arrow into one of the bikers. He um, sits like a like an ambush for him Yeah, almost. and then he knocks one of them off. The three, of, three of them went ahead. He knocks one of them off the bike and he gets in his car and he's going to go, run the fucker over but he's so intently looking at the dude that and he's driving really fast on these mountain roads he hits something it flips his truck and then they basically get him and now have him at their hideout where he is now tied up and at their mercy so when i still was unsure if these were demons or not i thought oh maybe they are a demons because i thought he hit the guy and it uh, Demon made him flip his car over. I thought he, was he like, hit something else. There's no way that dude yeah, would have survived. Exactly. Yeah. He should have been like a splatter. Yeah. Um, but right now he's captured and he's being held in the biker gang's lair. And they have all the stuff. They took his axe. They took his crossbow. He, his hands nailed to the floor. <sighs> yes. Which I was like, oh. <laughs> any kind of hand. Child. <laughs> any kind of hand shit always fucks me up, man. Oh, yeah. Like, I think all the way back to, like, the Godfather when they kill Luca Brasi and they stab him right through the hand. Oh, and can't we, handle it, man. And we see my favorite biker of the gang, which I called Vaseline Face, <laughs> who just looks like he's... He's got some weird mask on. He's just slimy and goopy. I'm like... A lot of goop in this movie. would you want to live your life living covered in Vaseline? I wondered if that was like the LSD stuff. Like oh. the LSD goop that they were like doing. Like if they just smeared it on their body to constantly ha- like be absorbing it. My first thought is because later on we see one of the bike... Uh, the One of the, the demon bikers like with a, a pile... I'm talking like mountainous pile of cocaine, cocaine smashing his face into it. I'm like, how these people not OD'd like nine times over, but Uh, tolerance, man, they haven't. (laughs) But yeah, so goop biker (laughs) is like trying to, um, he's going to cut him up and torture him. Um, but he slashes, he slashes cage's chest and cuts his 44 shirt. It's my favorite shirt, man. I fucking love that. Like if my skeleton witch shirt got cut, I'd be like yelling the same thing. I was like, holy God, this is amazing. He breaks free and hits him with a pipe and then uh, Goopy Face Biker falls in a hole. 
knocks that biker down the hole, and then he's going to go like ambush the rest of them in the house. And the first one he comes across is Scarface Coke yeah. Cock Knife. Before you get to this room, you see this other random dude bent over a bed, clearly sodomized to death with whatever this knife cock thing is. And then <laughs> I just put bloody butt. Don't ask questions. <laughs> move on. <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So I mean, these 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 people are monsters. And so he goes in, and then he's watching porn, doing coke with the cock dick, uh, the knife dick, and then oh, cock dick, um, <laughs> the knife dick. And Nick Cage is going to try to like sneak up on him, but like he sees him on the TV and like expects the ambush, and they have a big ass fight scene. Does he cut the guy's throat? Because he bleeds all over Nick Cage's face. Yeah, he's got the box cutter he stole from Goop Face. That's right, the box cutter. Yeah, and he slashes his face open, and then Nick Cage just gets blood all over him. He's like smiling maniacally. Which I have, I have a note here. It was all like blood test. Go ahead and finish your revenge, but be sure to get a blood test. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's you do crazy. not know where these people have been. He um, finds his axe, which we didn't talk about the axe, but yes, he has that giant fucking badass smelted Viking axe he makes. He gets that, his crossbow. He goes outside after taking a, a hit of that crazy LSD that fucked them up. Mason jar of God mind. Yes. Is that what it's called? That's what I called. Oh, that was everything else. Everything that's else gets perfect. a name. <laughs> I think that should be the name of it. But yeah, he is fully like, and and the visual like representation is like, oh, he's never going to be the same. Yeah. Like he he's is. like leveled up now. So and his, if you, I don't know if you guys, his pupils, his entire eye is black. Like uh. his pupil take over every part of his eye except for the white. And that wasn't just a scene, man. Uh, like through all the trippy shit at the beginning too. Like a lot of people didn't have the color around their eyes, and it was very off putting. I mean, I think when you're tripping, you have yeah. huge pupils. So. I mean, they do get it. You get massively dilated like that. But like this was like to the edges. Like you could tell like this yeah. shit was like next level. <laughs> and then he goes broken. outside, jumps off the second story sees the last biker standing by a burning car, shoots the fucking bone-eating arrow through the dude's neck. Mm-hmm. The dude just pulls it through his neck, like, like just pulls it out through his <sighs> neck, like, okay, so that's a thing. Well, he he pulls it out from the exit wound forward. So he, it's not like he just, like, grabbed it where it hit him from the back yeah. of the neck. He, it, he takes the whole arrow through the hole. Like a second time, the arrowhead goes through him. And yeah. He doesn't even... Ugh. Yeah. It's so creepy. And he's just standing there. And then Nick Cage goes to fight him one-on-one with his giant, like, badass axe. They're fighting. Eventually, the biker gets caught on fire. And he's all like, she burned. Yeah. She still burns. And then Nick Cage is like, fuck you. Uses his axe, cuts that burning biker's head off. He finds out the location of where the chemist who made this oh, stuff yeah. for them is. So now he goes to the chemist's place. And the chemist just randomly has a tiger, which I loved. The craziest like layer. This chemist yeah. has this crazy layer with a giant tiger. And I was like, ooh, I fucking love tigers. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I guess I'm going to die. Better let the tiger escape. <laughs> yeah, and he's, he's uh, dipping tabs into the LSD yeah. and hanging them up to dry. Nick Cage and the chemist have this scene where they just look at each other and the chemist knows exactly everything that Nick Cage is thinking. He's yeah. like, ooh, you're in a lot of pain. Oh, they fucked you up good. Oh, it was the Don, wasn't it? The new Don did this to you. Like, like it's weird. Cage doesn't say a word, but they're like eyes have a conversation. And he's like, I'm going to let the tiger go. You're right. <laughs> he just <laughs> opens the cage and the tiger leaves. I'm like, okay. I really, literally thought he was going to have to fight a tiger. I thought so too. <laughs> I thought so also, but it's funny. is like um, when they were making this, it was supposed to be a giant lizard. And then like the dude, the actor, the chemist shows up on set and they're like, oh, by the way, it's a giant tiger now. And he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, 
I mean, I was really upset at first. I was like, you should not cage a tiger like that. I mean, the part of me is like, but then I was like, I am not going to watch Nick Cage kill a fucking tiger with his garbage axe because A, I don't want to see a tiger get killed. But B, I was like, that'd be the most badass thing ever put on film. At this point, yeah, if they had killed a tiger, like if Nick Cage had to fight a tiger, they would have been like full on fucking like grindhouse fantasy. Oh, yeah, land. yeah. I mean, it would have been it would have been clearly like, you know, fantasy enough to where I've been like, OK, but it's still like I don't want to see a tiger get killed. But I was just like. Holy shit, are we going to fight a tiger here? But instead, Nick caged, uncaged the tiger. Oh. Well but he didn't said. really uncage him. You're though. welcome, Peter. <laughs> no. Uh, you're welcome, Peter. <laughs> it was the whole mind, the mind talk, remember? Because uh, yeah. the, the chemist's like, you're right, I should let it go. And he just opens the cage uh, and lets yeah, it go. Yeah, because he looks at the, because Nick Cage kind of looks over like, this is wrong to have this tiger cage Fair. here. And he's yeah. like, you're right. And then opens the cage and the tiger just runs out. And then he's all like, the new Don did this, didn't they? They're north. And then, like, that's the end of that conversation. Yeah. So, are we to assume the chemist is left alive? Yes. Okay. I assume the chemist uh, is left alive. I assumed he killed him. During his, during his murder spree, he doesn't kill Lucy, and I assumed he didn't kill the chemist. I assumed he killed everyone I, except I Lucy. figured he would have killed him on camera. Well, the, 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 chemist, the, the chemist didn't do anything. I don't think he killed the chemist. I think he was just kind of like, well, they I need that information. Other person off camera. We'll Which get one? to it, but you okay. see the old lady. But you oh. see her head later, so you know. I yeah, guess, well, I mean, they, yeah. They, they tell the audience. But, but she, okay. she comes at him, though. I think the chemist was just like, oh, we're having a conversation. This is what it is. Okay, you do your thing. I'm going to do mine. I think you're right. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. So, quote, unquote, north. Yes. It turns, like, it turns into vague. an otherworldly volcanic layer planet, like Mercury quarry style. Quarry type. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like a quarry like, of some kind. But yeah. yes, it's gone full fantasy. Like I don't know what north metal. they're at. But at this point, we know, all right, Luke, or Luke I don't know what's called Luke Cage. Uh, <laughs> Wrong Cage. Red yeah. is tripping balls. Right. So he's an unreliable na- narrator as well. Sure. And I, yeah, so it's like some sort of stone quarry, right? There's, it's a weird uh, fucking place. And in the middle of one of the the valleys in the quarry is this temple like structure with a cross on it. And yep. that's like the entrance to the devil's lair. That's Jeremiah's that's this. Jeremiah's like yeah. home base. I want to see their finances. That's what I want to yeah, see. How do they have all this money? <laughs> um but the 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 poster does say it's a journey into darkness. So we should touch on that just slightly is like he had this taken away from him. His his love was taken away. And now he's got to get to the level of darkness that these people are yes. at. And it's his journey of like snooting coke, doing LSD, going full on cage. And then like that's the only way he's going to be able to like be on the same, you know, fighting level with these guys. And this is where we have the chainsaw fight. Oh, right. he, throws, yes. he throws his axe into some dude's head that's washing in his car. And then instead of picking up his axe, sees a chainsaw laying on the ground. He's like, oh, yeah, chainsaws. I'm familiar with these. Love him. Picks up the chainsaw, lights that shit up. The last cult member, other than Mother Marjorie or whatever her name is, the yeah. old lady. I do want to say that uh, Swan got the axe, axe kilt or hilt, is it? Yeah, he got the hilt shoved through his mouth. Through his mouth. Earlier yeah. in a kill. And that's where he lets Lucy go. That's where um, Red lets Lucy go. Yeah. He doesn't kill her. Um, and now it's chainsaw fight. There's a lot of fucking deaths, so we, we may have missed one. Yeah, so he's got the chainsaw. Yeah, and the other cult member's like, it's like fucking, oh, you think that's not a knife? Like, he pulls out, oh, like, it is seven stories. Like, yeah. like, this is one of those huge, massive log, like, 
um, chainsaws <laughs> like the size of a person. I'm going to be honest. I would rather have the short one in that instance. I agree. Because the length of space that thing would have to slice through and it's like stop time to get another swing in is going to be way more uh, You're going to be a lot slower. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I would rather have Cage's small chainsaw. Unless you just worldly burden that and just spin it <laughs> yeah, in that's circle the only and just way. hoping, you know. But um, yeah, there's a, there's a chainsaw fight. They like, use them as swords. It's crazy. And this is... Again, everything in this movie is so visually amazing. It's lit by these little bonfires in this dark fucking quarry, and they're having a full-on like night fight between. I say knights like knights of the round table type thing. Not yeah, nighttime. it's like the um, Monty Python skit with the dark knight. <laughs> oh, the black knight. <laughs> the black knight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they are just going to town, and eventually, Nick Cage, um, the dude, the bad guy, falls onto one of the chainsaws, and it just is cutting him up. Yanked on it. Yes. Nick Cage like wraps a chain around his head and fucking just yanks him onto his giant, cha- his own giant chainsaw. And great. he's just getting tore up. You don't see like you see like from the top part. Yeah. And it's just disgusting. And then he goes inside to get Jeremiah. Runs across the old lady. Um, she's so creepy. She's like, oh. you know, he says I'm his most sensual lover. It's basically Mother Marlene saying like, hey, I will fuck you yes. real good if you don't murder me right now. And Cage doesn't accept the offer because the next scene we see her head like roll across <laughs> yeah. the floor. Yeah, he goes down this bunker where Jeremiah is and he rolls Marlene's head towards him. And he's just like, look, man, you know, like. I'm sent from God. This is the, yeah. this is this great monologue. He like, goes through like the whole range oh, of the emotion. gamut of everything. He's like, I'm sent from God. I'll help you with your soul. You've gone down a dark, dark path, but that has led you here to me where I can actually save you now. Don't you want eternal salvation? And then Nick Cage just walks up to him, grabs his head. Clearly he doesn't. Yeah. And then that's when uh, Jeremiah's like, don't fucking do it, man. I'll suck your dick. Yeah. I'll suck your dick. And I was like, come on, bro. Don't go straight to that. I was like, well, it was like 10 seconds of that. And then he flipped back to like, Oh, what? A, I'm, I'm a God, you right. know, I, God chose me. You I know? think he realized at that point, I'm not getting out. This might go out with some dignity, but yeah. And then Nick Cage just right then does what? Crushes his fucking head, man. And it's so, it's, oh. it's on screen too. Yes. Like it's, it's clearly fake, but man, it's just like, blip. You're just like, ugh. Gross. And revenge complete. Yes. Now I would really like to see a scene entered right here where Red goes back to work and then someone says, Hey, Red, how was your weekend? <laughs> and then he just slyly looks at the camera and shakes Still his head. Still people dilated all fucked up. And then it like fades to black. Or alternate <laughs> ending. They both, Mandy and Cage, wake up in bed and they're like, what a fucking trip I just had. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh. I would thought that would be kind of cheesy, but yeah. So <laughs> what really happens, though, is he gets out. He's he's And the thing is, one of the themes I got from this is like, if you walk down this path of revenge and Jeremiah kind of touches on this a little bit in his little like end monologue is like, once you've gone down this path, you, can you come back? Like, you know, to no. go down that, can you? And so like cage went down this path. So he's permanently fucked. I think once you, uh, kill someone with a chainsaw, squeeze someone's head, decapitate someone, you're really not coming back from one of those. Take, 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 take a nightmare. goop LSD that basically yeah. like makes bikers into demon monsters, you know, like, yeah, you might have be, you might permanently be on a path, but he drives off the camera pans up. And at this point, instead of like a realistic background, it is a fantasy background of like two suns and a giant like planet and it fades out. And then that's the end of the fucking movie. And there are scenes of Kate, uh, red, red in the car and he's looking over at the passenger seat and he's smiling maniacally. And then Mandy's there with him. 
And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, like, is this him driving off into the next other world? You know, like, right. is this his death scene? You know, what is this? I think it was, you know, more symbolism than I can pick up on, but <laughs> it's one of those things, or it's just a super heavy trip. Yeah, he's still tripping. <laughs> I, I think he's tripping, but I think it was more just kind of like, you know, he, he made in his mind what needed to be righted. Now they're cool. You know, they're good with each other. And I think in his mind, that's what he was seeing. But yeah, it's, there's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack in this movie, especially towards the end. But that's it. That's Mandy. I'm glad you liked it, Mark. John, I'm sorry you didn't have as, as good of experience with it was us. It's fine. I'll no, still no, recommend no, it. Like, you know, I'm with the audience. I like 67%, I think, is a fair. I think 91 is a bit high. But then I don't. this is definitely one of those art, artistic yeah, film that the critics would just, you know, fawn right. over. I'd give it like an 80, 85. Yeah. Um, definitely worth in, a watch, in my opinion. This was agree. filmed in Belgium. That's cool. Yeah, it was filmed in Belgium. And Nick Cage almost didn't get the leading role. Like he was he was first approached by um, the director to play Jeremiah. And Nick Cage was like, I don't like that character. I want to play oh, Red. Yeah. And and the director was like, well, no, this is supposed to be, Red's supposed to be younger. This is supposed to be like an, a young youth versus old type dynamic as well. And so they couldn't come to an agreement. And that was the end of the discussion. Well, what happened later on is like later on, Panthos and like Elijah Wood were talking and Elijah Wood was like, I think you need to talk to Cage again. And they did. And they like some stuff had happened in each other's lives where they started talking about the character of Red and like how like this wasn't about like, youth versus age it was about like love and like all this other stuff like that and they came to an agreement and battles was like dude you're red like that's it so that's how we got cage like we almost didn't get cage at all I'm but it was elijah made, wood like sat them down and was like y'all need to talk again i'm glad they made that decision agreed um, but again elijah wood's making shit happen behind <laughs> the scenes in hollywood thank you frodo yeah thank man you, thank you mr frodo but yeah uh I would have. I don't think I would have liked it as much as if it's anybody else. But Cage, I don't think it would have worked as well. I um, can't see anybody else doing that role and having it be as intense as it needed to be. Also, the young versus old—that's the thing we've done. You but know, again, that goes in, that goes in with like music, heavy metal versus. I mean, again, like all this stuff is based in like similar. Like the the animated sequences are clearly a nod to heavy metal. The movie, the the heavy metal movie, yeah, which we did skip over. Anytime Nick is having a dream, it's all animated, like literal animated. Yeah, uh, like hand-drawn cartoon in the style. same style as like the old heavy yeah. metal movie but what like a great movie that the was. youth versus age you know with music i mean all the different stuff you think about like the hippie god you know like peaceful versus the like heavy metal youth you know i mean that's i can see how that would be there but and it still kind of is but yeah the youth versus old was kind of lost with cage playing that character but I th- i'm glad to lose it if it meant we got cage yeah great movie i think we all just said we recommend it so get out there it's on shutter yeah, they got the rights to that, right? Yeah, which is a great pickup for them, honestly. Yes. Like, Shutter's been knocking it out of the park with their stuff, so keep up the good work. Any final thoughts on this one before we wrap up? If you watch Mandy and you're not totally sold the first time, but you're not like completely dissold, watch it a second time. Again, like it, it took it took a second viewing for it to really embed itself as like this is a fucking work of art for me. But yeah, I yeah, go check it out. I don't know if I could ever watch it again, though. Two hours is just so long. It's and it feels so long. But uh, but at least once, people should definitely watch it. It is worth at least watching once. Have you ever seen it? On weed. That's a, <laughs> ha- that's a half-baked reference there. Sorry about Boom. that. <laughs> Maybe weed. Don't do LSD and watch it. At least that's my thought on it. That's Mark's, two, that's Mark's closing thought. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.